there. Yeah. Love that. Hey guys, welcome to the Big Blue United Podcast. My name is TJ, and I'm here with Colin and Dan, as per usual. How you guys doing this evening? What's going on? Uh, doing okay. Feeling good. Um, I'm pumped. You know, draft is is not too far away, so you know, got to start mentally preparing ourselves. How Hopefully. many days is it? Like 24 days or something like that? Something like that, yeah. 24 days, Dan. You're right. Are you a math major? This is my internal draft clock. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah. All right. That's nice. Colin, I'm, um, I like your sweatshirt. Tell us about your sweatshirt. It yes. says Yankee Soccer Stadium on it. It sure does. Um, it, and, and the best part, it's in orange and blue, which is, uh, you know. Nick's colors. Yeah, Nick's, yeah, of course. Uh, well, NYCFC plays Yankee Stadium. It's funny because it was, it was printed by a, a, a Queen's – uh, independent company and you know the colors are orange and blue especially for their their secondary uniform this year and it's just corny and and funny and it tried to make me feel better about the fact that my soccer team plays in a baseball stadium so is there is there like some beef about that of, of some kind that, that we're unaware of well there's internal beef the yankees absolutely despise the club they want nothing to do Why? with it, but uh, they just they hate everything about it except for the fact that they make money off of. Off I mean, yeah, wouldn't you be happy to be your stadium being used for any purpose during well, the season to make some cash? If like, you recall, who, where, who was it? Uh, oh, who's the first baseman for the Yankees for years? Uh, recently, Tino. Oh, <laughs> Tino, Tino, Mar- say Tino Martinez. <laughs> Mark Teixeira. Mark Teixeira. He had like I think it was the first season. It was 2015. He had a hissy fit because of. Uh, the changeover of the grass and the infield. And he was just like, how do we expect to play on this after these, these kickers are going to be on it. All these kickers, kickers. What are you talking kickers? about? Yeah. Like <laughs> Graham Gano is there playing with like <laughs> Justin Tucker out there. Oh yeah. No, it's just, it's all silly. We need to get out of there and I can't wait. So we'll see. Have how they been goes. talking about, Oh, they have talked about building one right in Queens or whatever in the train well, yard or whatever it was. That well, was a while ago. There. Will it's point ironically again, next to city field or possibly the unused parking garages across from Yankee stadium that are right next to the train station which would rule actually that's such a great spot and actually get some jobs and, and economy, you know, pump into the area, they but you know, the red it. tape and and who knows if Eric Adams will do anything of worth. And, you know, I think they'd have like a, a field on each level of the parking garage and they can have like more than one MLS game at a time. Well, and I'm sure the Red Bulls would like to get back into New York at some point. So cool. Oh, Colin, don't say that about Eric Adams. Since he's uh, implemented this new subway protection plan, I rode the subway for the first time in a long time yesterday. I saw a 80 year old man with a cane get a ticket for not paying his subway fare, and then I got saw a guy uh, busking playing "Hey Joe" get it also get a ticket in there. So they're really out there protecting the public. Nice. So thank you, Eric Adams, for that. We all appreciate that in New York. Because what yeah. we really want is the police everywhere being intrusive in our lives. We love that. But as long as you're eating less less meat uh, for the children at their lunch and your more plant-based foods, then, then it all balances out. It's all fine. I just wish New York would ever have a mayor that was like, you know. Normal? Just a guy that was yeah, cared about people. Yeah. You know, that would be cool. <laughs> well, I guess we could we could apply that to a lot of other situations in politics. Sure. Anyway, uh, before we talk about something very important and near and dear to my heart, guys, please follow Big Blue United on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at BBU Pod Boys of the Z, the Pigskin Podcast Network at Pigskin Podnet. Download that DraftKings app. Use promo code TPPN. And our sponsor this week, excuse me, we are hydrated this week by BioSteel. 
Um, I know we did BioSteel last week again, but this week we're doing it. Um, I want you guys to check out BioSteel.com. You have sports drinks, sports hydration mix, uh, protein for your pre- and post-workout, especially nutrition products. Um, check it out, please. The one thing I wanted to say is that we, the three of us, actually got to hang out together in person on Friday night for the first time in what, like a year? That was fun. When was the last time that the three of us were together in a room? It was like Mark's barbecue on Labor Day weekend last mm-hmm. year, I believe. Oh, I was, guess so. Yeah. yeah, that was it. And that wasn't in a room. That was outside, yeah. Yeah, it was outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what did we do? Uh, I don't know. You guys started the night, but when I joined you, we were at this uh, kind of fancy schmancy sort of bar. It was called Bohemian. And, yeah. Uh, it was a peach Powell bar. Gardens. Yeah. Yeah. Nice place. Um, when I walked in and looked around, I was like, why are you guys here because you're all pieces of trash and this place is really nice. <laughs> so that was confusing to me. But then we ended up at, uh, down the street in Montenegro on the dive bar and we had a nice chat. I don't know, guys. It was really nice to see y'all. Um, yeah, I probably had too many beers, but you abruptly uh, left. Cool. I, I, you know what? I, I, I looked at the I was really proud of myself because yeah. I had to work in the morning. So I looked at the clock. I was like, you know what? Get out of here. Well, Be what was it? It was like, it was like 1130, 12 and you're like, I'm out. 1230, I was 1230, wasn't it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. Not bad. That was cool. I mean, it was fun. What did you guys do after I left? Just uh, just hang out and drink? Or... I think we, we from there, we went back to the apartment, I believe. All right, yeah. So I didn't miss too much. Right? Well, yeah. then we watched uh, hardcore videos on, on my cell phone because we couldn't yeah. cast it to the TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, you didn't ask me what my, about my sweatshirt, TJ. Oh, let me see. What's up with your sweatshirt? Does it say so? Oh, there oh, it is. Oh, glass jaw. That's right. Yeah. So I know you right. saw them at Warsaw the other day. So we were we were um we were, we were we were going past Warsaw the other day or last yesterday, and there was just like all these teenage girls camped out in front of it. And I'm like, what is going on? Like who's playing? So look at my phone. A group called the Viagra Boys nice. was playing. Oh wait, I yet, do, yet to uh, look up or know is, anything is, about. But is there yeah. music like on the the harder edge of things or? It definitely looked like um, some sort of emo-esque sort of thing. Um, I don't know if someone wants to pull this up real quick so we can see what this looks like. I'm taking a look. Oh, um, yeah. A lot of tattoos. Viagra Boys are a Swedish post-punk band from Stockholm. Oh, oh yeah, I see. Uh, oh, there's a couple, cuts of, couple handsome guys in there with tattoos, I see. But yeah, a very interesting crowd out there. Like all, They were all just like young girls waiting in line like maybe two hours before the doors even opened. So that was a little perplexing to me. Yeah. But, huh. They're hey. just like some goofy, fun kind of guys, you know? Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. I don't know. Yeah, I, I won't, it. probably. No? Nah. Nah. Well, just because I mean, we're talking about it right now, I, I kind of want to hear it. I want to see if it's awful. Probably. Uh, I mean, who knows? Who knows? We talked about the Glassjaw show last week, though, right? Or the week uh, before? Uh, I was bummed I missed that. It was probably fun. It was good. Yeah, I, w- I wish I went too, but I wasn't around, unfortunately. Yeah. But either way, um, I hope that we got we all get together again for the draft and do like a our first maybe in person podcast potentially. But yeah, hey, oh, we'll hey, see where, how that goes. Where is the draft this year? Vegas. Is it? Vegas? Oh, nice. Should oh, yeah. Let's go to Vegas for a night. Uh, Fly back Friday morning. Yeah, you, I got to go to work, <laughs> but I took yeah, right. off on the draft. <laughs> um, I heard that they're doing. Um, now that I'm, I'm reminded that it was is Vegas that. Uh, I don't know if they're doing it for every round, but I think at some point they're they're boating players yeah. out to an island in the middle of uh, what's that that the man Bellagio. made? Yeah, that Bellagio. was the plan for because they were supposed to do this for COVID in 2020, and that was the plan. So I I'm hoping they they bring the boat back 
Is that for sure? They're definitely doing it. I think so. The last oh time I heard, God, yeah. Were they trying to like what a stupid idea? Yeah, how, yeah. isn't that just going to extend like the whole draft like quite a bit? You know, I we, would imagine the boat. I'd imagine it's only for like a novelty fifth round or or it's the first round. I don't Who know. Who would I don't be know the what. best NFL personality to be the captain of that boat? That's that's ferrying it back and forth. NFL personality specific. Ocho Cinco. I want to be the captain of the boat. That would be okay. Uh, who else? There's got to be some other. Funny I'm thinking ones. more like like Rex Ryan or mm. Tony Saragusa. Yeah, How about Rex Ryan and uh, and Rob Ryan. It's co-captain. Yeah, yeah, I like, like one, that. One's Gilligan, one's the skipper. Put, put one like in the crow's nest up top. Yeah, that might <laughs> the boat might capsize if you do that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's that's not is that not nice. nice? Yeah, <laughs> I don't particularly enjoy either of them um, no. as no. coaches, nor as I don't think I don't think but, I've seen, heard from Rob Ryan in a while. But Rex is not my favorite uh, sports. Yeah, but but who guy. would you want to see like in a Tommy Bahama shirt on a boat? You know, that's oh what I'm oh, uh, Andy Reid, obviously. Yeah, he's like I want to see him more on like a rock because he looks like a walrus. Just oh, that's fair. In the sun, maybe he could. They can you throw him overboard. He could be like the anchor. For when they need to dock, you can just be like a tube in the back, just just floating, like getting pulled by getting pulled tube in the back, like eating a cheeseburger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about someone like uh, Pat McAfee or or, you know, no, no, nothing, no no wrestling. I like like him, but I just don't think he has like as much of a notoriety. Yeah, that's fair. He needs somebody more famous. No, Pat McAfee is like the most famous guy now. He's he's got so many views. He's making like twenty million dollars a year. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I don't like him. I don't think he's. I don't think he's that funny. He's an annoying interviewer too. Yeah, his his podcast is a little little uh broy. He just yells questions at people. Yeah. Okay, so is yeah. he like Stephen A? Because I was watching um Stephen, no, a, Stephen a and a. and somebody else talking about Daniel Jones, and as soon as Stephen A started talking, I turned the video off because I was like, this is the worst. You are the worst person to listen to speak. Like what people actually like enjoy him to the fact that he has a job and a good one. It's, 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 it's dumbfounding to me. Just like yelling. Mel Kuyper, my steel. It's like, dude, shut up. <laughs> just talk you know, like I, a normal human being. Like, I used I to feel it. exactly the same way. And now I just, I, I, he's just a caricature and it's yeah. hilarious. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I don't want to see that. I want to see like legitimate people talking about sports. Like it was with Mel Kuyper. Mel Kuyper came on and said a bunch of, you know, things that were interesting. And then Stephen A does his little bit. It's like, this isn't, if I wanted to watch a comedy show, I would do that. It's that's not an interesting show. paradigm because Mel Kuyper might say something that is interesting, but he's also the, the most boring dude personality of all time. He's just in the loop. I'm, I like, I'm sick of Mel Kuyper's shtick for oh, sure. He's done. But, he's done. Um, you know, I think, I think I haven't watched a lot of him. So in the small segment that I did, it was cool for me yeah. at least. He, he was, he, he made good points and, and said information that was interesting to me. He's yeah. like a bizarro Quentin Tarantino to me. <laughs> didn't <laughs> didn't for that. years uh Francesa have like a like a a big uh like tiff with him Probably. every every time that that he'd make his his prognostications about players coming out in the draft Francesa would just like tear him up on the radio yeah. or what yeah. or whatever on like remember he was doing college for a while in the 90s and early 2000s before he just like stopped doing anything other than the radio like he yeah. used to call college games when, when we were children. Really? Yeah, yeah you can you can look it up on YouTube. It's, he's done like Saturday morning, you know, like Fordham games or like national games. No, national. 
Oh. I'll make sure definitely not to do that. That's okay. I, I, you know, with Francesa gone, I mean, he's not really gone. I just don't seek him out anymore. I sort of miss the guy. I can't believe I'm saying it, but. Are you saying he doesn't have his show anymore? Dude. No. Uh, I don't, I've never listened to him, nor did I ever want to, to be honest with you. I did when I, when it was like the biggest events happening, I needed to hear what his take was because he was either going to have some asinine, boomerific like i can't believe you're actually saying what i think you're you're you were gonna say and you're doing it or he'd surprise me and it was it was always you know it, mundane stuff never worth listening to him about but like the big events like i'd love to hear not not that i want to bring it up again but i'd love to hear what he has to say about the whole will smith thing that'd be hilarious but he has some stupid take about it sure yeah i always wanted to go to francesa con i thought like oh, that'd be yeah. pretty fun Everyone dresses up like him. Yeah. It's insane. They, it was at uh, Irving Plaza one year. Yeah, that was the year I almost went. That would have mm-hmm. been pretty fun. Yeah. Interesting. Stupid. Interesting. Uh, Giants news, guys. Let's uh, hit this quick. Start with uh, – I just had a blip here. What was that? Okay, never mind. I'm sorry. Um, I thought someone was joining the podcast. It made the sound where someone's joining. I was like, who got this address? Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, we got to talk about this Adoree Jackson restructuring, which is the pretty much only thing Giants news-wise to talk about. So Giants converted around $9 million of uh, Jackson's contract into a signing bonus, which created about $6 million in cap space in 2022. Some other verbiage in there that I'm um, you know, not privy to understand about. But basically, his, the only thing to note is that his cap hit will rise from $15.5 million to $19.5 million in 2023. So... The only thing I want to ask you guys about this is basically Shane specifically said he was trying not to kick the can down the road in terms of the salary cap and that this year was going to be hard, but that the Giants would have, you know, more options next year and that he would be able to open up the free agency period then. So what do you guys make of this? Do you, do you see Shane kind of doing any other moves of this type this offseason to, to create cap space for this team, Dan? I mean, I think the Bradbury thing is still on the table as far as creating cap space. Uh, I think there's might be waiting for that. Um, this move – you know, although it's something he said he wasn't going to do, um, he's kept it to a minimum, I think, as best as possible. Um, I think they're stuck behind between a rock and a hard place right now and just not having enough cap to do absolutely anything, you know, sign, you know, our future draft picks. We, we need more cap space. Don't even have um, cap for that right now. Yeah. yeah. So either, you know, it's starting to clear room for that if we don't have Brad, Bradbury uh, moved or maybe there's a couple of, you know, people he wants to pick up between now and then that are going to be another more vet minimum guys that he doesn't want to let slide. And, you know, we'll, we'll just get rid of pretty much just get rid of Bradbury for free. I think that's where we're headed at this point, unless something happens. Um, so yeah, not, not what he said, but I think compared to previous years and, and ways things have gone, I think, you know, it's, it's sort of necessary. And it really goes to show too, in, in what's dire straits we're in uh economically i mean he, he said he didn't want to do it and he wasn't going to do it well here we are doing it because he's forced with uh, you know his hand is forced that's the only thing he can do and he's you know the, the the term of kicking kicking the can down the road you don't want to be doing that but when your back is up against the wall like this i mean it, it might be the only way out for a temporary relief before they can figure out you know the bradbury situation yeah i mean can't fault him uh what would you do Probably i mean this. There's nothing else to do. If after this move, the Giants stay with about six million in cap space, they're going to need ten to twelve million to sign their draft picks. Plus, they're probably going to want some more for a little bit of insurance for injuries during the year. Yeah. So, one other thing that I read that I wanted to ask you guys about: um, 
I've read that one of the easier ways to do this would be to sign Leonard Williams to an extension because he's got what $27 million cap hit this year, 26 million next year. Would you guys consider extending his contract past these two years? If it could be a restructure in the giants favor to keep the cap hit lower this year, would he possibly make less money in the long run because of it or no? I don't believe that would be something on the table for him, but I think that you could move his cap hit down the line. And that would be something similar to this, which is something that I had read, which I thought was a bit interesting and something I don't think Shane would necessarily want to do, nor I think that I would want to do, but what do you guys think? Uh, well, what what would be the uh, the consequence of, of cutting him eventually, dead money-wise? I'm not sure, but if that was on the table, I would probably say that that would be, have been talked about or read about. So I'd imagine yeah. the dead money is pretty high. But this would be the easiest way to lower his cap hit in the short term. Uh, it's pro- It sounds like another situation where it's it's the only positive option, which it doesn't sound positive considering it's him. And he's good, but he, as we've talked about ad nauseum and, and – Last year and this year, is he's not worth the money that he's getting paid. But here we are stuck in the spot that we're, we were put in by uh, the, the – the thou he shall not be named. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, what's the uh, – any other option? I guess I guess you could look to trade him, but he's not – I don't think he's a tradable piece. Doubt it in that, at that number. Yeah. Dan, I feel like you're going to have something fun to say about this. No, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> just – you know, painful to think about some of these choices uh, that are going to haunt us for a while. Um, you know, it's not ideal, but with cap going up gradually year after year, after year if you're able to tack on a couple of years to his contract and sort of spread the salary cap hit across five years versus three, um, you know, the amount that we're paying him in those later seasons um, might not be as painful as they are right now, even if it is still a significant sum, maybe it's instead of being, you know, 15% of our salary cap, it's 11% or whatever. Um, so hey, not ideal. I don't think, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they want to either him have a good season and trade him or just be out of it as soon as possible when the contract runs up. Yeah. Um, but it's agree. an interesting concept. Yeah. I mean, I have to agree with you, Dan. Um, I, I mean, I think we all like Leonard and, you know, well, like you said, we talked about this. <laughs> well, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. I mean, he he had his he has his moments. Um, I'm interested to see what he does in the new defense. Maybe we'll be happy he's on the team and and think the cap hit is appropriate by the end yeah. of the year. But you know, I think in terms of where the Giants are with the salary cap, and as you guys said, in a you're basically between a rock and a hard place. I think got to put a lot of things on the table, and I know they don't want to kick stuff down the road to next year because they want to be able to really do the team building with this draft and with free agency in the draft next year as well. Um, but we'll see, you know, interesting. Hopefully they move on from Bradbury and this, uh, kind of gets fixed in other ways and more legitimate ways. And it's so hard too, because we, we've, we're so early on in this regime that we have no idea about scheme, especially defensively. I mean, I mean, uh, Winkdale's he's, he's, I mean, he's a kind of a three, four guy, but yeah, you've seen some hybrid stuff at, at the Ravens and, and I don't know. I like, I, with the players that we have it's hard to tell who's going to thrive and who's going to be awful and whatever they end up trying to do. What I do know and what we do know is that they don't seem to be the kind of people to force players into situations they're not supposed to be in, which I think has been a problem in the most recent past for our club. So yeah. hopefully, uh, I think, I think we're also bearing the lead on the biggest news of the day. Did you that? guys, do you guys not see the videos of Saquon bench pressing? The I most important did. skill for a running back? I did. I did. I saw that earlier. 
So, well, I, I, I was happy to read that Dable was wanting to use him as a receiver more. That was was the most exciting thing that I've actually seen because if you throw him out there more times than not, great. Then you can actually pay him money and not feel bad about it. I think that's a great way to utilize someone on third down who isn't necessarily great in the backfield as a pass blocker. Throw him out wide, you know, and yeah. the Giants are, you know. <laughs> or as a rusher. <laughs> uh, true. I mean, but yeah, throw him out wide. I think he he has a good skill set as a receiver. We saw a lot of that in his rookie year and to some He's degree. He's six feet tall, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to some degree in his Taller other seasons. Than Sterling Shepard. Yep. How tall is Sterling Shepard? 5'10", something like ah, that. He's a slack guy. Yeah, that's fine. So, exactly. I yeah. mean, and, you know, that could that could sort of also talk about, you know, where the Giants might want to go in the draft if, if you don't need, you know, more help on the skill positions uh, necessarily. So, we wanted to start talking about position groups in the draft because we're, what, 24 days away, as Dan told us before. Um so this week we figured we'd start with O-line, which is something that I think we all really need to be building on, probably the most important position group to upgrade in this offseason. So there's obviously a ton of talk about the Giants targeting offensive tackle with one of their first two picks at five and seven. Um, I don't want to go too much into talking about the two big guys everyone's talking about, which is Neil and um, Icky. I like to call him Icky. How do you actually say his name? Because I, I can't do it. Um, Akeem? Yeah, Akeem somewhere. Equanyu? I, I think it was yeah, that's that. There, like that. thanks. Equanyu. Equanyu? No, I wasn't sure if Icky yeah. was for the first or, or second name. So <laughs> Evan Neal and, and Sticky Icky. That's what I've been calling him. Nice. Yeah. I like that. I like that. But anyway, um, what I do want to ask you guys is we've seen Charles Cross really jumping up draft boards, and I've seen him mocked before Neal even. Um, I've seen him mocked at, to the Giants at five in any number of, of drafts. So, I mean, what do you make up? make of his rise up draft boards and do you think he's worth being picked over you know the big two guys that have kind of been lauded this entire offseason thus far gone um well from looking into it a little bit further i think i do believe that he should be picked before the other two guys and here's why hot take uh i don't think it will be once you, you hear my reasoning behind I'm, it i'm he's are you, you being sarcastic i'm, I'm spicing it up i'm, I'm uh, yeah. setting the table for you dude um I think he is the out of the three, the most skilled uh, pass blocking prospect. And I feel like, especially from taking the big jump from college to the NFL, that's the biggest thing that players have to work on. That jump is hardest made when your skill set isn't uh, high in that in that wavelength um and everything i read is just like he's phenomenal at it, at it. like that's that's his thing that's his jam his, his run blocking is a little weak but here's the thing you can teach run blocking a lot easier than you can teach good pass blocking and uh, actually uh, just before we jumped on i was reading a little bit further into neil and it, and it seems that at least one nfc gm doesn't really like him at all and just thinks it's all part of the alabama hype um you know, likes him. He's a good player, but the hype that is surrounding him now is unwarranted. Um, and in terms of Icky, it's a similar kind of situation. He's a little bit better at pass blocking, but you know, he's a run first kind of guy. Uh, and it's the opposite talk with, uh, with Charles Cross. So what do we need more than anything else is a good pass blocking right tackle and he can slot right in there hopefully um so yeah i I think that's why he could be picked over anybody else and on top of it it seems that our own club is doing a lot of work on him everything that i've read is like extra work like unless that's a smokescreen too i don't know 
but it seems like uh, we got a lot of people studying him up. So I would feel okay with picking him at this point. Um, yeah, I, Charles Cross is a uh, Charles Cross. Um, it, it's just, uh, it's interesting in that they're all different flavors, right? They're, uh, they're, uh, the pass protecting specialist versus the road grader and icky. And then, uh, Evan Neal, I think everyone thinks has, you know, the, the like highest limit, like the, the, the most insane upside out of all of them as like a physical freak. Um, I'd be lying to you if I, if I could tell you like the difference if I was to watch the film of all three as who's a better player. It's just the, sort of the, the, the flavor of the, of the week, I think right yeah. now um, there's always the potential for smoke screens and people talking up one guy versus another guy. Cause they really want to take the guy that they're not talking up that whole thing. Um, to me, I, I think, you know, again, as we talked about before, like we don't really know exactly the style of the offense, you know, compared to the, the bills offense, but, we have much different personnel and, and, you know, we have don't know how we're going to utilize players. Exactly. Um, obviously having someone that's more polished and pass protection will be good for a quarterback that's scared in the pocket. Um, but we could go the other way and want you know, someone that's going to be a, a real road grader on, on, and just, we can just pound the ball uh, sort of have that power offense uh, and then change it up with like play action passing. Um, so to me, like, sure. Uh, cross would be fine. Um <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I don't have any any real strong opinions on any of the three. I think it'd be nice to come up with one of them um, and sort of trust in our in our new coaching staff to develop them properly. And it looks like we're going to have a shot at least one of them. You'd imagine at least at five. Yeah, you have to think so. Yeah, and I mean, if for, not, if not, ahead. we get a you know a, a defensive end pass rusher at that same spot. If it yeah, comes to it, one of them is going to be there. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think that all three of them are going to go. I mean, when, when you say about Alabama, you know, they do kind of run a little bit more of a pro style offense. So I think Neil is a little more well-rounded than the yeah. two. And obviously, as you mentioned, cross is the better pass blocker. It is the better run blocker. I mean, but with some of Cross's numbers at, at the, in the offense, he was playing in at Georgia. If you look at it, he played 919 offensive snaps, okay, in his senior year or whatever, senior junior year. I don't remember wow, what year he was in, but what, his last year in college. Two sacks, 14 QB hurries, not a single QB hit. But when you look at the snaps, it's 357 snaps as, a, as, as in runs and 1304 in passes. So a drastic amount more reps as a pass blocker. So I don't know, like Dan, you said, where this offense is going to go and mm-hmm. what they're going to be predicated on. But, you know, in a pass-happy league, um, that that may or may not be a positive. I still think you need to run the ball. Um, so, like you said, I think if the Giants land all, any three of these guys, um, I would be happy either at five or seven. Um, and, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the pre-draft process and whatnot, but I just think it'd be interesting to see, you know, where these guys end up and follow their careers after the draft is over. Either way, if we come out of round one with a tackle, I'm I'm happy. So, either way. Cross went to Mississippi State. Did I say Mississippi? Wait. It said Georgia. Oh, I'm sorry. Mississippi is also the Bulldogs. I just said Bulldogs. Excuse me. Mm. My bad. I'm good. sorry. I'm not I'm not calling you out to make you look stupid. Don't That's hurt not. me. I just I I, I want to make sure we all don't look stupid then. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, I, I know we all speak for each other here. Well, I thought TJ was saying it in a game against Georgia. That's that's where my head was going. I was, oh, I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. I, you know, it was just Bulldogs, and that was where my mind went to when I was just uh, recalling 
All right. Anyway, enough of that. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, regardless of if the Giants, you know, decide to, to take a tackle early or if they want to go for some of the more tasty defensive prospects in the beginning of the draft, whoever that might be, um, obviously they're probably going to look to bring in more offensive line help, whether on the outside or the interior in the later rounds. So I want to ask you guys, you know, who are you guys hot on, you know, later in the draft, either a second, third, fourth or beyond, if you want to go that far. Um, and, and what are you thinking, Dan? Yeah, I think I, I, I've been saying it in the past few pods, but I think there's a lot of this is like where the depth comes in. Uh, the, the top side, these three guys we just talked about are definitely a tier above, but I don't think it's as a distinctive tier as we've seen in, in years prior. I don't think there's a, as a huge of a gap between these guys and, and the guys the tier below. Um, so I think there's a lot of value to be had in these these rounds. And you know, if we were to come out of the first round without an offensive tackle, um, I wouldn't be like super depressed. I think there there are some guys that are that might be in there that could contribute um, immediately in the second or third round. So um, you know, there's some other guys that are going to in the first rounds, like Trevor Penning is uh, from from Northern Iowa that people like a lot. Um, I'm not that too hot on him. I I could leave him. I probably wouldn't take him in the first round. Um, and then some of the guys, and then there's a uh, Bernard Ryman from the German, uh, who is He's one of Austrian. those Austrian. Same thing, right? Um, no, <laughs> same thing. Don't don't tell don't tell Sandra Platzgummer that. <laughs> I mean, we know how World War II ended, where it ended. <laughs> um, but anyway, he's uh, <laughs> that wasn't his house in Germany. No, um, no, 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 it wasn't. Anyway, uh, he is uh, one of those physical freak uh, kind of guys that has unta- untapped potential, and that he's only been playing the sport for so long. Six foot six, three hundred pounds. Yeah, um, ultra athletic. Uh, he again might go in the late first round, uh, at least if you're doing PFF mock drafts. Um, but someone like him, and then there's that guy from. Uh, can I can I touch on Raymond for real quick for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He Let's actually came, he came in as a wide receiver. Yeah, before or, he bulked up and transferred to tackle. So for me, I think that's like really interesting how quickly he came up to be potentially a early second or first round pick from a yeah. totally different position. So I think, you know, he's probably would be an indicator of a high IQ, high football IQ and someone yeah. with a high ceiling, definitely athletic. If he was playing as a wideout. Yeah. Um Definitely someone I think the Giants should try and target in, in the second round if, if they're looking for a tackle there, for sure. Yeah, let's anyway, just talk about him. What do yeah. you think about him, Colin? Um, well, I mean, he's only been playing football for five years. It's one of those, uh, you know, high ceiling kind of situations, similar to, I guess, a, a JPP, but of the offensive line. Um, you don't That's know a good parallel. Gonna- Right, you don't know what you're getting out of him. He's a, f- a freak athlete. You sound uh, like Jerry Reese, who said that about every pick he's made after after uh, JPP. <laughs> Jerry Jerry was good. Clint and that, Symptoms, I, the JPP uh, outside Clint linebackers. Symptom. Yeah, Clint Symptom. I, I That is a name that we bring up entirely too much. Was he? That's a second, a second round, round wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, out of Virginia. Later second round, but still. Yeah, he stunk. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those guys that like you're almost surprised that he's going to possibly go in the first round. Actually, it looks like it's probable that he'll go probably mid to late at this point, at least from what we've seen from the uh, uh, mock drafts and such. Um, I get kind of scared about those players because there's, there's a big possibility of a drop off and then you're left with a bust in your, in your lap. Um, That's what she said. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, (laughs) I, I, I feel like, 
especially a, a transitioning regime into a, a new era of Giants football, I don't think that's someone that we would go for at this point. I actually um, disagree with you, but for the same reason, because this year is sort of a rebuilding year. I mean, everyone recognizes the Giants are presumably not going to make the playoffs. So maybe this is, if you're going to take a year to bring in someone raw, this might be the year to do it. But I, maybe I, he's not going to jump in and start. Yeah. But, you know, sitting for a year might be very valuable to a player like this, you know. Certainly. Or but playing and sucking for a year kind of Sure, like, or that. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's nobody to play that position. So you assume if yeah. you're going to draft somebody to play right tackle to play. But either way, I mean, you know, I don't think the expectations are high. And I think that's good for someone who is more raw. No? But yeah. the, the question is, is what the level of patience that Dable and staff are going to have of what well, we don't know what's going on in their heads. You don't know if he's thinking, okay, this year's a wash. Let's just be respectable and maybe, you know. Just I think by the, what they're doing, that's what he's thinking. Uh, yeah. I they're mean, not going to compete, that's for sure. No. Uh, I think they'll compete more than we've seen in the past just for the sole fact that there's competency here. They're not right. going to run a QB sneak in on their no. own 10-yard yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. We exactly. can agree on that, yeah. Um I don't know. I feel like there's always that that side of a of a head coach's mind that always thinks, can we draft someone here that can make us win right now? Is it possible? You know that they're going to want to try to go for that if they can. And I feel like that sure. it depends on on what outweighs the other. If he's yeah. able to be patient, I think and, they and, might also think about like, are we going to draft a guy that's going to make us win for the next five years? Yes, sure, totally. I, I, I get that. I, where they're at now, that's how they have to be thinking. And that's I, the most per, important thing to be thinking, I think, at this point. Uh, obviously, but I, I think that's just what the scary thing with a player that's so raw like this is you don't know uh, where that's going to end up. I mean, you can have all the all the confidence in yourself and your coaching abilities and, and developing to be able to be like, oh, obviously we're going we're gonna to get this guy up to yeah. his potential. But I don't know. For someone layman like me, I, I, that, that scares me. It's a, the risk is is very high, and as someone as you know that isn't a big gambler, of course, that's going to be my stance. Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. New customers can bet five dollars on any fighter and get one hundred dollars in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the excitement. Everyone can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA Contest. Draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's promo code TPPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. 21 plus, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Can we talk about another offensive tackle that's even scarier but almost more fun? I I think I know who you're going to say. Am I going to say Daniel Falali? That's exactly who I thought you were going to say, who was another uh, (laughs) guy from not the U.S. He's Australian. But man, oh he's a big boy. God, Minnesota? Boy. Minnesota, is it? Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. 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 What is yeah, he? Yeah. He's 6'9", 384. That's, I mean, at a certain point, when a human is that big, it just takes you longer to move, get around him. You know? Yeah. Like, he just takes up space. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, think, I think the rundown on him is that he has that tantalizing size that's just a mountain of a human straight up. 
That's what she but, said. Uh, there you go. Um, but, but you know, he, he's not polished. He doesn't have good feet. And, and somehow he might project as a guard in the NFL, which I guess if you could have him stay low would be someone that would, that would be unmovable and, and just blow people off the ball. If I, he could I, get it together. I read he moves well though. I I thought that that was like the whole thing. He's huge. I've read, but he, he's I've got, read he can get beat by edge rushers. Yeah, uh, he's got limited like speed rushers. He can't uh, play left tackle. Like that's like out of the question. So, okay, right, so it's tackle, right tackle or in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I just I give him a shout out at you know I think he'll he'd be there in definitely in the second also probably through the mid third round unless someone really really falls in love with him um, just 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 a amazing specimen just a specimen. oh yeah he's just Pure like size. one of those humans that is just unbelievable that these people actually I mean, exist yeah. all the these speed guys and are, the size yeah. I mean you know his numbers aren't bad. Uh, one sack on 777 passing snaps in 2021. I mean, yeah. I realize it's college, uh, you know, big all Big Ten honors. I just love the concept that a person like this could exist Yeah, and be that, that athletic and that big. Yeah. I mean, he might end up either being out of the league in three years or he might end up being, you know, on, on an all-pro in three years. You never know. But yeah, it's I mean, well, who's the guy on uh, – who's the guy on the Eagles uh, that just had like a Pro Bowl year? Um their right tackle uh that that was also one of these guys from another country that they they polish i, I forgot his name oh um, uh, i know what you're talking about with with our our Is assistant this, gm uh, not lane johnson no no the, the right tackle uh um, jordan jordan Malata. yeah 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 so he was he was also from the same program also extremely raw also enormous um and they yeah, did a really good job of developing him um and we have the assistant gm from the eagles yeah. that I'm sure is very familiar with that success story. So I, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. I think for, for taking a shot on one of these, just like total upside plays. Um, that dude was a seventh round pick and he's his backup is Andrew Andre Dillard. Who's a first round pick. Yeah, dude, that's hilarious. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe this guy falls a little bit because of the concerns about when he, you know, is able to really step up and be a starter in this league, but you never know. I, I, I think it's an interesting prospect to say the least. For sure. Um, I have, I have a player in mind that is it's, he screams New York giants so hard that it's just like, it's insane to me. Which rounds second. Okay. Uh, maybe third, but it seems like he'd be going in the second. I read up on him recently and I was just like, Oh my God, he's, he's like, he's like the second coming of Dave deal. And I want that, like a like a more talented Dave Deal, uh, Jamari Salyer, yeah, from Georgia. Yeah, he has started three positions on the line, has at least thirty nine starts at all five positions, and he's a mauler, and he's smart, and he's all over the place, and it's just like one of those guys that the negative that I feel like would be the automatic argument here is just like, why do you want a master, you know, a Jack of all trades and not a master of one? Well, apparently he's, he's pretty good at everything he's done. Um, he's not great at run. Blo- I mean, he's run block run blocking is the, is the number one pass blocking could be worked on, but he's a mauler and he's, he's smart and you can develop him and he's, uh, he takes to, um, teaching very well. So he just seems like a very giant pick. You you want that guy that you can plug and play, be a swing tackle if you need to, especially in his first season when he's still learning. 
Um, Where'd he go to college? Georgia, Georgia Bulldog. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, I like him too. The only thing that worries me is that I think like he's still a little too raw for how much experience he has. When we're talking about people who like had, had a lack of experience but more athletic ability, I think he does have that athleticism, but he still doesn't seem to have stepped into the big boy shoes quite yet. Obviously, still in college, you never know what can happen. But that would be maybe my only concern with this guy. Well, and and the reason he was all over the place is because it was need. Uh, there was injuries, and they he had the wherewithal to be able to figure it out on the fly a lot of the time. So think, you, you kind of yeah. like that for NFL's sake, you know, quick learn. Yeah, it looks like the first time he even played tackle, they popped him in the Sugar Bowl as right tackle. So that's, a, that's yeah. an interesting one, too. Yeah, he's start, enough of a big stage to, you know, kind of come in and play a position you're not super familiar with. At the national yeah. championship game, he played uh, right guard and left tackle at a different point in the game, which is – Okay. I do love that versatility, man. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I like Icky a little bit too, because uh, you know he has a high ceiling as a guard too, which I think is always a positive. Yeah, which I wanted to mention earlier, but I'll mention it now. You know, and, and from my research, I found myself kind of liking a lot of players that project more as guards in the NFL. And I don't know, I, I maybe it just goes back to the idea that if you solidify the center of the line, the rest of it. Yeah, of course, the most important position on the line is the left tackle. And, of course, you need a good right tackle. But you got some really good players in the middle. It kind of makes the the outside a little bit easier to, to take care of, especially if you can run the ball. So, yeah, I, I think that's something we'll see a lot in this draft, specifically uh, players like Jamar, Jamari Saylor um, and, and others that played predominantly tackle in college that are all projected as guards in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and I think that trend is just going to continue as years move on because in college, generally the most athletic guys play outside and, you know, whether or not they're six foot six or six foot four, they, um, if they're not that, that upper, upper crust, they easily find a way to get move slide them inside and into a pro style offense where, you know, maybe they're, they're in pass sets way more often. Yeah. Um, and utilize that skills. There's also uh, Darian Kennard from Kentucky who played yep. tackle, but was also protected at guard. Um, Another guy I like too there, Dan, with the same thing as uh, Sean Ryan from UCLA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though he's got, he, you know, if I had an NFL comparison for him, it's Justin Pugh because his arms are a little short. Oh. <laughs> but he was playing tackle, you know, only 6'5". I think he projects better into the uh, NFL as a guard, especially in the run blocking scenarios. I, I, I kind of like him um, yeah. in, in, in the – and the second pick in the third round, I think if he's still there, would be a good pick for the Giants. And uh, uh, Ryman's counterpart, mm-hmm. Luke Godecki, he was a tackle, but he's predicted at guard. He was a really good tackle, too. They, they, some say that that was the best tackle tandem in, in college last year. Um, he's someone to look at in that third, fourth round area. I think this is what I'm talking about. Like, this is like really the really good depth in the, in the draft is. So if we, you know, that's why it's a thing where if we move out of that, fifth or sixth, seventh pick in the first round and grab, you know, a later first round pick and then additional picks in the second, third or fourth rounds, take a shot on one of these guys that has um, a really nice skill set, really good size and fill out the rest of the offensive line. Um, there are just tons of guys. Like I know a guy Colin really likes was uh, that guy from Memphis, Dylan Parnum. Yeah. You don't like uh, him though. Oh, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, he's a you pure he's guard. He's, he is. I mean, he's a guard, um, which is fine. Um but he, you know, he didn't. When when you're taking later, I always like to err on the side of guys from programs where they were tested a little bit more. Um, not that Memphis doesn't play competitive programs, but he didn't dominate um, in a way that you'd like. I don't think. Um, 
but he's got like has all those bud words you like, like super athletic, um, you know, just like a very versatile sort of interior offensive lineman. So I think, you know, depending on, again, the offense that we run, Par- Parham would be, you know, a nice guy to, to slot in there. Certainly an upgrade from what we have. Um, but again, a guy available in th- third, fourth, fifth round potentially. Yeah. And you know what? F- further to that, I, because of all the depth of all these linemen in this draft, I mean, even the centers, I, I alluded to the, um, the Patterson from Notre Dame last week, but you got guys like Donovan West from Arizona State and uh, Luke Fortner at uh, Kentucky. These are, are, are big developmental prospects that if you take them in the fifth, fourth, fifth, maybe even sixth, great spot yeah. for them to be in, especially if they're not pressed into duty right away. Get them learning yeah. behind some of these other guys that with center experience. Uh, that could be something down the road that could end up working out. I mean, all these guys are graded so well going deep. So I feel mm-hmm. like you got a lot of options there. And I, and I have a feeling that if you don't see us take – well, I mean, we're going to take alignment early. I, I have to imagine, regardless whether it's first or second round. But if you don't really even see that much, you're going. You might see a, a run in the middle of this draft where all of a sudden like we're four just, linemen in a row. Yeah, just scooping them up, especially after some trades and stuff. Who knows? Yeah, I think you're going to see that, and you're going to see that with the wide receivers too in the, sure. in the later rounds. Yeah. Um, any other names you guys want to throw out there? Yeah, I've got a couple. Yeah, um, yeah. I really like. Uh, Max Mitchell uh, from uh, Louisiana, Lafayette. Uh, he just purely from what I read on, on PFF, he, he had a super high PFF score. Um, again, sort of a bit of a raw prospect, but great size, six foot five, uh, almost 300 pounds. Um, pretty athletic. I think he would be a, a project at right tackle. And then also um, shout out uh, Kellen Deich or Deich? Oh, I have him on my list too. Yeah. Nice. From Arizona State. Again, yep. super high PFF score. Um, very solid player at Arizona State. Um, uh, you know, has athletic abilities, just needs to get stronger. He's not like going to overpower anyone right now. But again, if we're looking at a two year horizon, these are, these are players that I think yeah. will be, you know, m- maybe not, you know, all pro, but above average players. And we need, people that can start and we need depth um, immediately. So uh, those are guys I like later on. And I think you can find the, them in fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. Uh, yeah. Guys like that. That's why I like Deesh too. Cause I think, you know, he has a lot of potential and he looks like someone who might last till fourth, fifth round, which yeah. if you can, if you can hit on a guy in the fourth or fifth or sixth round, which I think the giants physically never do. Um, that's an amazing positive. That's how you build the championship roster is really hitting those late round picks. So I hope that, you know, we can find somebody out there this year, whether it's an offensive lineman or not, to be a contributor either early on or eventually. Yeah, just to throw one more name in the mix uh, as as one of those exact kind of situations, uh, fifth, sixth rounder, um, Abraham Luke, Lucas from uh, Washington State, um, starting right tackle, bunch of years, big dude, uh, Pac-12 All-American. Like, you know, he's he's seen it all against, you know, all that kind of pass rush out there. So, and he's projected at the fifth round and that's what, I mean, just goes to show you, you can get starters or potential or close to soon to be, I get excited about, uh, development prospects too. I mean, just to say one, one other guy, uh, I don't know if you guys read about Zach Tom. Yeah. Wake from Forest. Uh, Wake Forest. He looks, yeah. 
I've been taking him late a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's undersized. It's one of those like not typical picks, but he's an athletic freak. He's like another one of those situations where it's like super fast. He can pull like like a madman. Yeah, one of these days he might be one of the most athletic uh, offensive linemen in the draft. Yeah. And I mean, where where did uh, they projected him at? Uh, looking like um, yeah, fourth round, yeah, fourth fifth round, which just goes to show athleticism can can push you up. I mean, he is. I mean, Can't teach four, speed, Colin. Well, yeah, it's true, and you know, I. I I don't know. I, I'm just excited about this. I feel like years past, it's always been like, yeah, you hear about these these couple of names up at the top of the draft for offensive linemen, and then it just falls off. And it's like, who you don't you have no idea what you're going to get later on. But I, I, time and time again, reading about these guys, it, everybody says the same thing: is like you can get that value. So, yeah. At least we have competent people now to make these scouting decisions and yeah. actually listening to their to their scouts. This is a cool thing. Um, let's move on because we're running short on time. And, and I know we were going to talk about something else, but I'll just touch on this beforehand is that um, the Saints have traded with the Eagles. And now the Saints have two first round picks at 16 and 19. So that really puts them in a position, I think, as a quarterback needy team to, to trade up. And the Giants sitting at five above the Panthers seem to be a likely trade partner. If, you know, obviously I'm speculating here, but. Um, I would just like to know, guys, if the Giants, you know, end up trading out of one of those five or sevens, do you see anybody in the later first round that is attractive to you as well as as an excuse me at the uh, offensive line, either interior tackle position, Colin? I mean, Linderblom's an obvious one, right? Well, that's 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 it. Uh, I the the dream scenario is trading out of the seventh. Uh, getting like 16, 17, 18 and picking him up right there, almost regardless of whatever the, the, the fifth pick is. And if that means a tackle and then a center, okay, well, that's the direction we're going. But even if we go for, you know, say, um, you know, any of the, the, the rushers are, are there, which actually I want to deviate for a second because I, I, I can't get my, my mind around um, uh, George uh, Greek last name. The, the Carl that, Loftus. The, yeah, I, I I can't figure him out, and and if it seems like it's he's just placed there in the first round to be there, or if it's like someone a name that people are actually excited about, because I I feel like there's no hype around this guy. Yeah, he's sort of like a an unsexy pick. I think he is like a solid sort of player, like sort of like a Ryan Kerrigan kind of mm. comp. Um, okay. he's. I don't think he's going to like break any sack records or, or he doesn't have like a, like a deadly move or a speed rush. I probably one of those like trend words, like he probably doesn't have enough bend or something yeah. uh, like that. I think he like can set the corner and be solid, but he, I don't think he projects as like an all pro. I mean, not to say that he's not going to have, a, he could, he could have a great career. He's just not, um he doesn't have the upside that a lot of the other guys have that are, that are, yeah. Uh, below him in in the mocks at least like some of the other guys have mm-hmm. more potential um according to the people that know what they're talking about well thank you for that dan because i still I, I just i read about him and i just like there was different takes all over the place and i just like i don't know i couldn't figure it out but anyway. i mean that's that's the that's what i was getting the feeling yeah, yeah. um yeah lindenbaum that that's the guy and um otherwise like from what i've read and like all the mock drafts and stuff like that i feel like outside of him at least from what i've seen you might start trying to reach 
into the late first round. Um, I don't know if that's actually the case. If you guys have anyone that would sneak in at like 25 to I know 32. Dan mentioned Trevor Penning before. I've seen Kenyon Green, yeah. Texas A&M as well. Yeah. But, I, mean, I like Kenyon Green. Yeah, I like Kenyon right. Green a lot. I think he also has that versatility. I think he played reps at tackle as well. So he's, he's not just a pure inside guard. He will play guard, but he, you know, that shows athleticism. Yeah. Um, I think he might be a lot closer to Linderbaum than people think. Okay. Uh, Zion Johnson shot up after sure. uh, senior week. Um, another pure guard. Uh, do you think he could last to the beginning of the second round, Zion, or do you think he's going to go in the first? I think I think I wouldn't be shocked because people generally don't take guards yeah. that high. Um, mm-hmm. But everything I've seen, he's always projected at least in the very top of the second or late second. Um, I wouldn't reach for him in the teens, uh, mm-hmm. either sure. of these guys. Um, but, you know, if we get a trade package, you know, say – you know, trade with someone in the twenties out of the seven spot for that. And then like a future first round. Yeah. Taking one of those guys um, would be, in, you know, that's like someone that's going to start day one at guard, um, which we need. Um, so I wouldn't be upset about that, but definitely like nice to get a nice, you know, haul and draft equity, a future, yeah. a future first, a, you know, a second or third for this year and next year. Um, think about how tasty it would be to get, you know, 16 and 19 for like seven or five, you know, I, I've tried to rig that so many times yeah. <laughs> with the Eagles, but now, now you can't like the Eagles had three first round picks. So I was, yeah. I'm trying to get like 16 and 19 um, from them. It's a smart trade for them, honestly. Yeah. Uh, see, sure. I, I avoided trading with anyone in the NFC East because I thought it was just so implausible. You yeah. never know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. now, now we have an in, in the front office of the Eagles with, our that's a manager, good point you know, that's so. a very good point and not to mention who knows what we're going to end up doing with the bills eventually yeah i saw one crazy mock draft by uh some reporter today that had this is the most convoluted uh scenario with including like a trade for the 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 bills uh defensive end what's his name um, oh i saw that too for um yeah for the seventh pit yeah didn't like it and a future no. first but uh wasn't 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 good yeah I mean, uh, I, I have heard, you know, it, it will be tough for the Giants to sign all the draft picks potentially. So I've heard of them trying to sort of throw it down the line and try to acquire more picks next year when they have more space. But I, yeah. I really, I really, you know, if, you know, if it's good for the team, go for it. But I really would love for them to, you know, have at least two first round picks this year because yeah. we were all waiting for it. You know, having the flexibility, though, to move up next year for one of those quarterbacks. Agreed. Uh, it's going to be would be very dangerous for us and allow us to do a lot of really good things. So I, I wouldn't I, at first, like I'd be upset. Like you're saying, like you want to see this year right away, but I would, it would also make me very excited for the I mean, draft immediately after our draft is over. Everything we were saying all, all podcasts, but yeah. at the end of the day, you know, you, you realize that the giants are, are probably not going to be competitive this year, but you want them to be either way. Of course. As yeah. A fan. I wouldn't be the slightest bit surprised if we end up getting, some sort of picks for next year at some well, point. Well, so I'm saying if you get another first round or second round pick for future pick, you can still package that even if you do finish somewhere in the middle of the pack to get up yeah. to the top of the draft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, anything else you want to touch on tonight, guys? Any more players you're interested in talking about along the offensive line before we head out? No, that, that, I'm good. Probably missing a lot of guys, but I, I think we, we touched on some of the, the big ones, especially the, the tackles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we at least mentioned most of the dudes. 
yeah, you know, we'll we'll definitely do like a whole mock where we can kind of touch on some more guys and maybe some of the ones we did again. But we'll hit a different position. Guys. Oh, maybe. <laughs> but we'll hit a different position group next week, and then the next three weeks before, or next two weeks, I should say, until we do the mock the weekend week of the draft. And then maybe we'll have a live pod for the draft. Like I said before, I don't know. But either way, guys, thanks for listening tonight. Please follow Baby United on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, PBU Pod Boys with a Z on Twitter. Pigskin Podcast Network at the Pigskin Pod Net. Don't forget to download that DraftKings app. And don't forget to visit Biosteel.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. yeah.